This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing leg day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and... Best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com slash cultivate. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show. Today, Edgar Allan Poe is regarded as the godfather of the gothic horror literary genre. His intense tales like The Telltale Heart, The Black Cat, and of course The Raven grip readers with a terrifying immediacy, making them feel as though they are living through the protagonist's nightmarish experiences. But it isn't just Poe's work that contains such drama. His own life was also quite eventful, and his death was just as mysterious. This is the turbulent life and the mysterious death of Edgar Allan Poe. Well, hello, my fellow weirdos. I hope everyone is having a fabulous Friday. Now, I know it's been a minute since I put out an episode, but I hope you didn't miss me too much. (laughs) But as I say, I know it's been a while. So this is the first of the two episodes that I pre-recorded before I left for the USA. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And A little America update. I'm having a fucking blast. Camp is now underway. The kids are here and it's been a hell of a lot of fun. Full on, hectic, tiring, intense, but a goddamn blast. But you're here for the macabre and it wouldn't be right if with macabre in the podcast title, I don't do an episode on a man synonymous with horror and synonymous with macabre. And that man, as I said in the introduction, is Mr. Edgar Allan Poe, who lived a life of sadness and struggle and died a death which is still as mysterious to this day as it was all those years ago. So without further delay, let's dive right in to the life and the death of Mr. Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe's life began with tragedy. Yep, straight into the sad, no messing about, straight into the sad. Edgar Pope was born on January the 19th, 1809 in Boston, Massachusetts to English-born actress Elizabeth Arnold Hopkins Pope, 
and actor David Poe Jr. He had a younger sister named uh, Rosalie Poe and an older brother named William Henry Leonard Poe. Around 1750, their grandfather, David Poe Sr., emigrated from County Cavan, Ireland. His father was addicted to alcohol and ran out on the family soon after Poe was born, and his mother, Elizabeth, would die of tuberculosis when he was just a toddler. Poe was then taken to the home of John Allen, a prosperous Richmond, Virginia businessman who dealt in a wide range of items, including cloth, wheat, tombstone, to, uh, tombstones, tobacco, and slaves. <clears throat> oh dear. Um, the Allens took him in as a foster child and named him Edgar Allen Poe, though they never officially adopted him. In 1820, Poe returned to Richmond with the Allens. He was the lieutenant of the Richmond Young Honor Guard during uh, the Marquis uh, de Lafayette's visit to the city in 1842. Allen's uncle and business patron, William Galt, would die in March 1825, leaving Allen numerous acres of land as a result. William Galt was reputed, reputed to be one of Richmond's wealthiest men. The estimated value of the inheritance was $750,000, which in 2021 money was equal to $18 million, wholly in Inflation. Allen would celebrate his vast income by purchasing Moldovia, which was a two-story brick mansion in the summer of 1825. Before enrolling at the University of Virginia in February 1826 to study ancient and modern languages, Poe may have become engaged to Sarah Elmira Royster. Poe lost connection with Royster and grew separated from his foster father due to gambling debts during his time there. He stated that Allen had not provided him with enough money to register for classes, buy textbooks, and find and furnish a dormitory. Although Allen sent more money and clothes, Poe's debts, uh, debts grew. Poe would drop out after a year, but he didn't feel welcome when he returned to Richmond, especially after learning that his sweetheart Royster had married another man, Alexander Shelton. In April 1827, he would move to Boston, where he worked as a clerk and a newspaper writer, and it was around this time that he adopted the alias Henry Poe was unable to support himself, so on May the 27th, 1827, he would enlist, enlist as a soldier in the United States Army under the name Edgar A. Perry. Even though he was only 18, he would claim to be 22 years old. For $5 a month, he served as Fort Independence. He served at uh, for independence in Boston Harbour. In the same year, he published his debut book, Tamerlane and Other Poems, a 40-page anthology of poetry with the byline by a Bostonian. Only 50 copies of the book were printed and it attracted very little attention. On November the 8th, 1827, Poe's regiment was set to Fort Moultrie in Charleston, South Carolina, and travelled via sea on the brig Waltham. Poe's monthly wage was doubled once he was promoted to uh, artificer. Artificer? Artificer. <laughs> an, an enlisted artisan who made artillery ammunition. Reading is hard, yo. Reading is hard. <laughs> 
He enlisted for two years and rose to the rank of Sergeant Major for Artillery, the highest rank a non-commissioned officer could acquire. He then attempted to discharge his five-year enlistment early. Lieutenant Howard, uh, Poe's commanding officer, learned of his true identity and circumstances and agreed to let him go provided he would reconcile reconcile with Allen. Poe would write a letter to Allen, who was unresponsive and ignored Poe's pleadings for several months. Allen may not have written to Poe, even to inform him of his foster mother's illness. You know, I'm starting to think that, you know, that Allen guy uh, is a massive douchebag shithead. Or, you know, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm being a bit too harsh. But Allen does sound like a bit of a dick. Francis Allen would die on February the 28th, 1829, and Poe paid her a visit the day after she was laid to rest. Allen consented to support Poe's request to be dismissed in order to be admitted in admitted to the United States Military Academy at West Point, New York, possibly as a result of his wife's death. I mean, yeah, that was nice. It sounds like he was kind of guilted into that. Not like, you know, Francis guilt-chipped him into doing it, but he felt guilty, so that's why he did it. If you know what I mean, does that make any sense? Am I just confusing people? I'm probably just confusing people. But, I mean, yeah, it was nice that he helped Poe out, but he's still kind of a prick. He's still kind of a prick. (laughs) After obtaining a replacement to finish his enlisted term for him, Poe was ultimately discharged on uh, April the 15th, 1829. Prior to enrolling at West Point, he would return to Baltimore to live with his widowed aunt, Maria Clem, her daughter, Virginia Eliza Clem, who was Poe's first cousin. Remember that, because that will come back in a little bit. Not in a great way, either. Um, His brother, Henry, and his ailing grandmother, Elizabeth uh, Carnes? Carnes? Cairns? Cairns Poe. Poe would receive the very first words of encouragement I ever remember to have heard in a review of his poetry by influential critic John Neal in September of that year, prompting Poe to dedicate one of his one of his poems in his second book, Al Araf, Tamerlane and Minor Poems, published in Baltimore in eighteen twenty nine. On July the 1st, 1830, Poe would arrive at West Point and, uh, and matriculated as a cadet. Allen married Louise Patterson, uh, sorry, Louisa Patterson, his second wife in October 1830. The foster father eventually disowned Poe after the marriage and harsh quarrels with him about the children, born to Allen as a result of extramarital activities. Naughty boy. Naughty, naughty boy. Poe would decide to leave West Point by purposely getting court-martialed. Interesting tactic. On February 8th, 1831, he was tried for gross neglect of duty and disobedience of orders for refusing to attend formations, classes, or church. He tactically pleaded not guilty to induce dismissal, knowing that he would be found, in fact, guilty. In February 1831, uh, Poe moved to New York and published his third collection of poems simply titled Poems. 
<laughs> really imaginative title there. The book was funded with the support of his fellow West Point cadets who each donated 75 cents to the cause, which totaled $170. They may have been inspecting verses similar to the satirical ones that Poe had been writing about commanding officers. It was printed by Elon Bliss of New York, labelled as second edition and included a page saying, to the US Corps of Cadets, this volume is respectfully dedicated. The large poems Tamerlane and Al-Araf were reproduced in the book, along with six previously unpublished poems, including early versions of To Helen, uh, Israfel, and The City in the Sea. In March 1831, Poe would return to Baltimore to see his aunt, brother, and cousin. Henry, his older brother, had been ailing in part owing to alcoholism and he died on August the 1st, 1831. I swear death just follows uh, Edgar Allan Poe around just all the time. The Grim Reaper is just just trailing just behind him a little bit. You know, he's just like, don't mind me. No reason to be concerned. I'm just, I'm just hanging out. I'm, I'm just hanging out. Honestly, nobody's going to die. I'm just hanging out. <laughs> Poe began more genuine attempts to establish his career as a writer after his brother's death, although he selected a tough time in American publishing to do it. He was one of the first Americans to make a living solely through writing, and his efforts were hampered by the lack of an international copyright law. Instead of paying for new work by Americans, American publishers frequently published unauthorized reproductions of British masterpieces. Bastards. Bastards. You know, America just can't accept that the, the Brits are just better. Just better. The British are just better. It's a fact. Sorry, guys. It's just the truth. There goes my American audience. <laughs> Please don't leave. I'm only joking. Kind of. Maybe. <laughs> the Panic of 1837 also had a significant impact on the sector. And as... I'm going to safely assume that nobody listening to this was around in 1837 and is nearly 200 years old. Props to you if you are, by the way. The Panic of 1837 was a financial crisis in the States that kicked off a depression in which the economy didn't recover until 1844. Big yikes. Around this time, American journals were thriving, powered in part by new technology, yet many of them only lasted a few issues. Publishers frequently refused to pay their writers or paid them far later than promised, forcing Poe to make petitions for money and other help. Poe had switched to prose after his early attempts at poetry, most likely because of John Neal's critiques in the Yankee magazine. He sold a few articles to a Philadelphia journal and began working on Politean, his one and only drama. In October 1833, the Baltimore Saturday Visitor gave him a prize for his short story, MS Found in a Bottle. The story brought him to the attention of John P. Kennedy, a Baltimorean of considerable means who helped Poe place some of his stories and introduced him to Thomas W. White, editor of the Southern Literary Messenger in Richmond. Poe would join the periodical as an assistant editor in August 1835. However, <laughs> White fired him after only a few weeks because he was drunk on the job. Oh dear. So remember how I said a little bit earlier that 
his cousin Virginia would come up, come back into the story in in not such a great way. Well, when Poe returned to Baltimore um, on September the twenty second, eighteen thirty five, he would sort a license to marry his cousin Virginia, his first cousin. I want to add his first cousin. However, it is unclear whether they were married at the time. If that wasn't, you know, if that wasn't like crazy enough, you know, he he wants to marry his first cousin. If that's your thing, you do you. Even better than that, he was 26 years old when he was trying to find a license to marry his cousin. And Virginia was 13 years old. Now, I could say, hear me out, but I'm I'm, I'm just going to repeat that Virginia was his first cousin and she was 13 and Poe was 26. Oh no. Oh, oh, Edgar. Oh, what are you doing? What are you doing, my friends? After promising good behaviour, White reinstated Poe and he returned to Richmond with Virginia and her mother. Until January 1837, he worked at The Messenger. Poe said that circulation increased from 700 to 3,500 during this time. In the paper, he published a number of poems, book reviews, criticisms, and short stories. On May the 16th, 1836, at their Richmond boarding home, he and Virginia married in a Presbyterian ceremony officiated by Amasa Converse, with a witness fraudulently attesting Clem's age as 21. Oh, and if you liked that, then you'll love this. Virginia was still 13 when she and Poe got married. However, Poe, who was 26 when he saw a license to marry his 13-year-old cousin, was now 27. I know it's only an extra year, but she's 13. He's knocking on the door of his 30s. Kind of reminds me of Ken Ken McElroy, if you remember that episode. Moving swiftly on, Poe's novel of the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket was released in 1838 and received a lot of positive uh, positive feedback. Poe would join Burton's Gentleman's Magazine as an assistant editor in the summer of 18. 18- 39. He wrote a slew of articles, essays, and reviews, further cementing his reputation as a scathing critic forged at The Messenger. In 1839, he would release the two-volume book, Tales of the Dra- of La. Reading, as I say, is hard, people. In 1839, he released the two-volume book, Tales of the Grotesque, and arabesque, albeit he made little money from it and it garnered mixed reviews. Poe would release a prospectus in June 1840 outlining his plans to launch his own journal, The Stylus, but he had intended to call it The Pen because it would be situated in Philadelphia. He would buy advertising space for his prospectus in the June 6th, 1840 issue of Philadelphia's Saturday Evening Post, which read, Prospectus of the Pen Magazine, a monthly literary journal to be edited and published in the city of Philadelphia by Edgar Allan Poe. Before Poe's death, however, the journal would never be published. Poe attempted to gain a position in President John Tyler's cabinet during this time by claiming to be a member of the Whig Party. (laughs) I'm just picturing a political party where like they have like a, a, a dress code where everyone has to wear wigs. (laughs) With the support of President Tyler's son, Robert, 
who was, a, who was an acquaintance of Poe's friend, Frederick Thomas. He hoped to be appointed to the United States Custom House in Philadelphia. In mid-September 1842, Poe would fail to show up for a meeting with Thomas to discuss the appointment, claiming to be sick, though Thomas would assume he had been drunk. Oh, Poe, you're not helping yourself, pal. Poe was promised an appointment but all of the openings were filled by others. His wife, Virginia, would develop the first symptoms of consumption, which is what we now know as tuberculosis, while singing and playing the piano one evening in January 1842, which Poe described as breaking a blood vessel in her throat. Poe would begin to drink more extensively as a result of her sickness, which she would only partially recover from. He quit Graham's and looked for a new job, aiming for a government position for a time. He returned to New York and temporarily worked for the Evening Mirror before becoming the editor of the Broadway Journal and eventually its owner. Poe would separate himself from other writers by accusing Henry Henry Wadsworth Longfellow of plagiarism in public, though Longfellow did not respond. His poem, uh, which obviously... When you think of Edgar Allan Poe, you think of this poem straight away, I imagine. The Raven, which first appeared in the Evening Mirror on January the 29th, 1845, would become a massive, massive hit. Poe, as a result of this, would become a household name almost immediately, despite the fact that he was only paid $9 for the book's publishing. It was also published under the alias Quarrels in the American Review, a Whig journal. Poe would move to a cottage in Fordham, New York, in what is now the Bronx, after the Broadway journal failed in 1846. That home is now known as the Edgar Allan Poe Cottage, and was relocated to a park near the southeast corner of the Grand Concourse and Kingsbridge Road. Poe would befriend the Jesuits. Jesuits? Jesuits? Jesuits, I'm gonna go with. At St. John's College, which is now Fordham University, which was nearby. His wife, Virginia, would die on January the 13th, 1847, in the cottage. Poe's common topic of death of a lovely lady is often attributed to his numerous losses of women throughout his life, which included his wife, according to biographers and critics. Following the death of his wife, Poe would become increasingly unhinged. In Providence, Rhode Island, he attempted to court poet Sarah Helen Whitman. Poe's drinking and unpredictable behaviour are said to be the reason for their breakup. There's also evidence that Whitman's mother intervened and did a lot to sabotage the couple's uh, connection. Poe subsequently returned to Richmond and rekindled his romance with Sarah Almira Royster, his boyhood sweetheart. So I think it's fair to say Poe's life up to this point was a bit of a bumpy ride. Bit of a bumpy ride. The incest and marrying a 13-year-old when you're nearly in your 30s also isn't ideal. But I mean, I suppose that was not frowned upon in 1800s. I I, I don't know. But as eventful as his life was, his death was equally as mysterious. But before we get to that, let's hear from the host's of the Hollywood's Haunted podcast. Hey there. Do you like death, ghosts, and 
Hollywood history. Why are you whispering? Yeah, yeah, of course. Ooh, that's creepy. And so are we. I'm Tia. And I'm Patrick, and we're hosts of Hollywood's Haunted, the podcast. We're here to research everything evil and bring it right to your ear for your convenience. Our next season, we'll be discussing such morbid topics as the Black Dahlia, the darker side of Disneyland, possessions, and much, much more. Plus, we get to share our crazy stories with guest hosts, fellow podcasters, and especially you. So come hang out with some weirdos who are mad about the macabre, 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 macabre. Dark stuff. Yeah, dark stuff. And get ready for some of Hollywood's biggest haunted secrets to be revealed. You can check us out on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. And we are back. So, we've talked about the life of Edgar Allan Poe. Let's now dive in to the mysterious death of Mr. Poe. Edgar Allan Poe's death on October the 7th, 1849, has remained a mystery. The circumstances surrounding it are unknown, and the cause of death is still debated. Poe would leave Richmond, Virginia on his journey home in uh, home to New York City on September the 27th, 1849. There is no reliable information of his whereabouts until a week later on October the 3rd, when he was discovered delirious at Ryan's Tavern, also known as Gunners Hall in Baltimore. A printer named Joseph W. Walker would send a letter requesting help to Joseph E. Snodgrass, who was an acquaintance of Poe. His letter reads as follows. Dear Sir, there is a gentleman, rather worse for wear, at Ryan's Fourth Ward Poles, who goes under the cognomen of Edgar A. Poe, and who appears in great distress, and he says he is acquainted with you, and I assure you, he is in need of immediate assistance. Yours in haste, Joss W. Walker. Poe's appearance was described as repulsive by Snodgrass, a little bit harsh, with unkempt hair, a haggard, unclean face, and lustreless and blank eyes. His clothes, according to Snodgrass, were worn and didn't fit well, including a soiled shirt with no vest and unpolished shoes. John Joseph Moran, who was Poe's attending physician, gives his own detailed account of Poe's appearance that day. A stained, faded, old bombazine coat, pantaloons of a similar character, and a pair of worn-out shoes run down at the heels, and an old straw hat. Poe was never able to explain how he came to be in this state, and it was assumed that the clothes he was wearing were not his own, not least since shabby clothing was not in his character. At the for-profit Washington College Hospital on Broadway and Fayette Street, Moran would look after Poe. He was denied visitors and kept in a prison-like room with barred windows in an area of the facility allocated for inebriated individuals. Uh, on, the night of, on the night before his death, Poe is reported to have frequently screamed out the name Reynolds, though no one has ever been able to figure out who he was referring to. One theory is that he was reliving an experience with Jeremiah N. Reynolds, a newspaper editor and explorer who may have been the inspiration for Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket's novel The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym 
of Nantucket. Another possibility is Henry R. Reynolds, who may have encountered Poe on election day as one of the judges overseeing the Fourth Ward polls at Ryan's Tavern. Poe may have been requesting Herring instead, as he had an uncle-in-law called Henry Herring in Baltimore. Moran avoided mentioning, mentioning Reynolds in later statements, but described a visit by a Mrs. Herring. He also claimed he attempted to cheer up Poe during one of the times he was awake. Uh, when Moran told his patient that he would soon be enjoying the company of friends, Poe allegedly replied that the best thing his friend could do would be to blow his brains out with a pistol. Poe mentioned a wife in Richmond in his desperate state. He could have been hallucinating and thought his wife, Virginia Eliza Clem Poe, was still alive, or he could have been referring to Sarah Elmira Royster, whom he had recently proposed to. He also had no idea what had happened to his trunk of things, which had been left behind at the Swan Tavern in Richmond, as it turned out. Moran would report that Poe's final words were, Lord help my poor soul, before dying on October the 7th, 1849, at the ripe old age of 40. All medical records and documentation, including Poe's death certificate, death certificate have vanished, assuming they ever existed. Although the exact reason of Poe's death is unknown, there are numerous theories. Many biographers have looked into the matter and come to varying conclusions, ranging from Jeffrey Meyer's claim that it was hypoglycemia to John Evangelist Walsh's conspiracy idea about a murder plan. Poe's death has also been speculated to be a consequence of depression-related suicide. In 1848, he would almost die from an overdose of, laud of laudanum, a common sedative and pain reliever. Though it is uncertain if this was a genuine suicide attempt or a blunder on Poe's part, it did not result in his death a year later. In 2020, a psychological examination of Poe's words suggested that he was nearing the end of his life and that suicide could not be ruled out. However, the evidence of suicide was not consistently evident in Poe's professional works, leading to uh, researchers to conclude that while depression may have played a role in his death, suicide looked implausible. Snodgrass was persuaded that Poe died of drunkenness and worked hard to spread the word. He was a strong advocate of the temperance movement and used Poe as an example in his writings. Snodgrass's writings on the subject, however, have been found to be unreliable. In his own 1885 report, Moran uh, disputed Snodgrass, claiming that Poe did not die under the influence of any intoxicant. Moran claimed that Poe had not the slightest odour of liquor upon his breath or person. Nonetheless, some publications at the time described Poe's death as cerebral inflammation or congestion of the brain, euthanisms for deaths caused by shameful causes such as drinking. A psychologist suggested that Poe had dipsomania in a study of him. Poe's characterization as an uncontrollable alcoholic is also disputed. His drinking companion for a time, Thomas Maine Reed, admitted that the two engaged in wild frolics, but that Poe never went beyond the innocent mirth in which we all indulge. While acknowledging this as one of Poe's failings, I can speak truly of its not being habitual.
Some think that Poe was a heavy drinker who had become inebriated just after after just one glass of wine. He only drank when he was going through a terrible time in his life and that he would go months without drinking. Poe's participation in the Sons of Temperance at the time of his death added to the misunderstanding regarding how frequently he would drink. The Temperance Society had no reason to suppose that Poe had broken his pledge while in Richmond, according to William Glenn, who administered Poe's commitment. Suggestions of a drug overdose have also been proven false, despite the fact that they are still widely reported. Thomas Dunn English, an admitted enemy of Poe and a trained physician, insisted that Poe was not a drug user. He wrote, Had Poe had the opium habit when I knew him, I should both as a physician and a man of observation have discovered it during his frequent visits to my rooms, my visits at his house and our meetings elsewhere. I saw no signs of it and believed the charge to be a baseless slander. Several types of rare brain disease or a brain tumour, diabetes, several types of enzyme deficiency, syphilis, uh, apoplexy, delirium tremens, epilepsy and meningeal inflammation have all been proposed as other reasons of death over the years. In May 1848, a doctor named John W. Francis examined Poe and suspected him of having heart illness, which Poe later disputed. A 2006 analysis of a sample of Poe's hair found no evidence of a lead lead toxicity, mercury poisoning or other harmful heavy metal exposures. Cholera has also been cited as a possible cause. Poe visited Philadelphia in early 1849 during a cholera outbreak. He got sick during his time in the city and wrote a letter to his aunt Maria Clem saying that he may have had the cholera or spasms quite as bad. Because Poe was discovered on election day, it was suspected as early as 1872 that he had been cooped. This was a ballot box stuffing fraud in which victims were kidnapped off the street by local election gangs, held captive in a small room known as the coop, and drugged and or forced to drink alcohol in order to participate or risk beating. The cooping victims were then utilised as pawns in numerous uh, numerous regions, not religions, (laughs) utilised as pawns in numerous regions to vote for a political party. And no, let's not get into the whole 2020 US election fraud bonanza. <laughs> let's let's not get into that today. We don't get political on this podcast. They were frequently disguised with wigs, artificial beards or moustaches in order to deceive voting officials and vote multiple times. <laughs> it's like when you keep signing up for free trials. <laughs> you, you just use separate email addresses every single time. For several decades, Cooping had been the traditional account for Poe's death in most of his biographies which would also explain his unclean and dishevelled attire when he was discovered. However, his position in Baltimore may have made him too recognised for this scheme to work. More recently, research has suggested that Poe died of rabies, which he may have contracted from rat bites during his cooping days. Poe's funeral would take place in Baltimore at 4pm on Monday, October the 8th, 1849. The ceremony was attended only by a few people. Henry Herring, Poe's uncle, furnished a plain mahogany 
coffin and uh, Nielsen Pope, a cousin, would uh, give the hearse. Moran's shroud was fashioned by his wife and Reverend W.T.D. Clem, Poe's wife's Virginia's cousin, officiated at the funeral. Snodgrass, uh, Zacchaeus Collins Lee, who was a Baltimore lawyer and old University of Virginia classmate, Poe's first cousin, Elizabeth Herring, and her husband and former schoolmaster Joseph Clark were also in attendance. In the cold, wet weather, the entire ceremony lasted about three minutes. Because the congregation was so small, Reverend Clem chose not to preach. Sexton George W. Spence wrote of the weather, It was a dark and gloomy day, not raining, but just kind of raw and threatening. Poe would be buried in a cheap coffin, without handles, a nameplate, fabric lining, or a head pillow at Westminster Westminster Presbyterian Churchyard in Baltimore. Poe would be laid to rest for a second time in Baltimore on October the 10th, 2009. Poe's contemporaries and other long-dead writers and artists were played by actors. Each person would pay their respects and read eulogies based from their Poe-related publications. And the best part, The best part of all this, the funeral would even include a replica of Poe's casket and a wax cadaver. Sensational. (laughs) And that brings us to the end of episode 27. Yeah, Edgar Allan Poe had had it pretty rough, right? Pretty rough. Yeesh. I do have some sympathy for the man. I mean, if you ignore marrying a 13 year old who happens to be your first cousin, not turning up to job opportunities because you're drunk, getting fired after two weeks because you're drunk but you know he had a pretty he had a pretty rough pretty rough go of it did uh, mr edgar Allan poe so when will the next episode be i hear you ask i hear you you're all shouting when's the next episode gonna be <laughs> well as i said in the summer update episode due to me pre-recording two episodes before i left for the states episode 28 will be dropping on the first friday of august which if I remember rightly, is the 5th of August. I know, I know, you're going to have to wait a while, but you can always listen to my previous episodes to hold you over. Um, So, you know, I'm just saying, just saying, please boost my download numbers of my other episodes. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or the podcast website. Spread the love for the show too and recommend it to your friends, your family, your dogs, your cats, the Legion of Doom, like whoever. Just recommend it to anyone and everyone. (laughs) Seriously though, recommending the podcast, leaving a review uh, helps the independent shows such as mine more than you will ever know. Be sure to follow the show on social media too at horrorhouse underscore pod is the Instagram and the Twitter handle. Don't forget to follow the Cultivate Network as well and check out the other shows on the network. You will not be disappointed. They are straight fire. (laughs) And finally, check out the merch store and treat yourself. Treat yourself to some podcast merch. Go on, have some retail therapy. Spoil yourself. You're allowed. I I give you permission. (laughs) So all that's left to say is until next time, Stay spooky.